0: So you may find yourself wondering how it is that this person is standing in front of you this morning in the place where Pastor Andy usually is. And so I will share with you, um, in case you're not familiar with what a Wesley Foundation is, it's a campus ministry. So I work with students at Eastern Illinois University and I don't have a normal Sunday morning gig, so when there's someone who needs Uh, someone to fill a pulpit, I'm usually available. And so Amy, being my sister, asked if I could come help out this summer. And I was telling someone earlier, today is the conclusion of my preaching extravaganza for this summer. Um, I preached in a lot of churches in Illinois, because that's where I live, and then here today. And incidentally, I was with you four years ago, actually, And I preached on the same passage, but it's not the same sermon. So don't feel like you've been shorted today. It's a new sermon because there's always more to say about the scripture. And I would be remiss if I didn't just mention that I would love for you to learn more about the Wesley Foundation at Eastern Illinois University, but you have some that are closer. So if you would like to know anything about how you could support the Wesley Foundation of Cincinnati... My friend Amy, who is my second favorite Amy, is here, and she is on the board of that Wesley Foundation. And there's also a Wesley Foundation in Northern Kentucky called Vine and Branches, and my mom is on the board of that Wesley Foundation, and she is also here. So if you want to get involved in the lives of college students, that availability is here today. And even if you decide next week, you can always get this Amy to get in touch with the other people um, that you've heard about today. So anyway, it is a joy to be with you. And when Pastor Andy sent me the scriptures he was going to be working with this summer, I was so excited that he had skipped Acts chapter 8, so that left it open for me. And so you've heard a lot if you've been here this summer, about different people in the book of Acts. Some pretty well-known ones like Paul and Peter, right? So today we're going to talk about one who's not as well-known. Name also starts with a P. And so Philip, you might say, who is Philip? I don't know. Well, just a little background. Philip is not the same Philip that Jesus called as one of the 12 disciples. So we have two different Phillips, but we can handle it. This one is the one that in earlier in Acts a little bit, there is a conversation among the leaders of this new church that's starting, right? And there's a complaint that some of the widows are not being cared for well enough by the church. And so the apostles, the leaders of the church say, well, we're busy, we're busy preaching and teaching, and so we're going to appoint some more leaders. So they pick seven guys— they were all guys, um, to lead and to make sure that all the widows and all the people are taken care of. Now, one of them is Stephen, and you're probably pretty familiar with Stephen. He gets his whole chapter in Acts chapter 7. It doesn't end quite so well as Philip's story here in chapter 8. And uh, those are the two that we hear the most about, but there were seven. And um, Philip ends up He shows up a little bit later on in Acts. He has settled down, and he welcomes some more of the uh, leaders to come to where he's living then. But today, we look at his experience with this Ethiopian official. And so what happened after the story of Stephen, when Stephen is martyred, the church dispersed. Because, well, that seems reasonable to do once one of your leaders has been martyred. So Philip went to Samaria. Now, what do we know about Samaria? I mean, school's about to start, so you can have a quiz. It'll be all right. All right, so we talk about the good Samaritan, right? But if you were a good Jew, there were no good Samaritans, right? So Philip, though, Philip knows, if you remember way back in May, um, on Ascension Sunday, when we read the story of Jesus. He talks to the disciples before he ascends and he tells them to take the good news to Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. So Philip knows somebody's got to go to Samaria. So he goes there. And actually, he finds some people who are interested, and there are people who decide to join the church and become part of this new part of Judaism that follows Jesus. And he gets a pretty good reception, and then there's a bit of a kerfuffle with Simon the Magician. Did you know that there are magicians in the Bible? There are. Check it out if you haven't read the book of Acts already this summer. And so Philip kind of goes on his way, right? And then we come to these verses here at the end of chapter 8. And we don't know what Philip's plan was, but in some ways it doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit was in charge here, just like the Holy Spirit is kind of in charge in the rest of the book of Acts, right? Now there's one day of the year that we talk about the Holy Spirit more than any other day, and that day is... Pentecost. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit showed up, shook things up in the middle of church, there was a wind, there were flames of fire, there were different languages, right? And the Holy Spirit keeps on showing up throughout the book of Acts, and we see that a lot in this story of Philip. So Philip is headed wherever Philip's headed, out of Samaria, and a messenger of the Lord says, go down that road to Gaza. Now, Gaza might not have been a place that he planned to vacation. Gaza had been the headquarters of the Philistines long ago. You probably are familiar with at least one Philistine named Goliath, right? So these were not necessarily people that any good Jew really wanted to go visit either. But the Lord said to Philip, go down that road. All right. Now, some translations say it's a desert road. Some translations say it's a wilderness road, and this is where I begin asking questions of the scriptures because those are two different things in my mind. But I should have looked it up in the Greek, and I didn't. Anyway, so he goes down this road. It's not Interstate 75, right? That's that's what we get from this. It's either on a desert or desert road or a wilderness road, but. He goes, he's been preaching to all these people in Samaria, and then he goes down this road that probably wasn't terribly well-traveled, and now he's got an audience of one, right? He comes across this carriage, which is this Ethiopian official, and again, I wonder, I mean, was the carriage stopped? Because it says running up to the carriage. Like, did Philip have super speed for a minute? I have a lot of questions. But he comes up to the carriage, and he hears this Ethiopian official reading out loud, which sounds weird to us, but apparently would have been normal for them. If you read, you read out loud, even if you were by yourself. And so this Ethiopian man is kind of a a strange character in this story because he's a foreigner. Ethiopia, as far as Philip was concerned, was the edge of the earth, the ends of the earth. So like Philip's covering the bases though, right? He's been to Samaria, he's been in Judea, he's going to the ends of the earth. He's doing a good job as the spirit leads him. And so this Ethiopian official would have been an outsider, but somehow he knew about God enough that he wanted to go to Jerusalem and worship there. He may not have even been welcome in the temple in Jerusalem because he was an outsider as an Ethiopian and as a eunuch but he had been there and he was on his way home and Philip gets sent to talk to him. He's reading from Isaiah and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian official must have been a really good Sunday school student because he said, how can I without someone to teach me? So... There Philip was. And so he taught this man all that he needed to know, it tells us. And then they came upon some water on a desert road. I don't know. But they came upon some water and the Ethiopian official, having heard all that Philip had to tell him, said, hey, look, water. What would keep me from being baptized? An excellent question. And if you were reading along in your Bible, you would notice that that was verse 36 and the next verse is 38. Now, I'm the only one in my family who doesn't have a degree in math, but I know (laughs) that there's something missing. Verse 38 tells us that the eunuch ordered the carriage to halt. They get out, they go to the water, Philip baptizes him. Verse 37, scholars think was added in so we have the original story and then throughout time like there were scribes who wrote it and copied it so that there were more copies of it and apparently along the line someone added in what became verse 37 which usually gets left out now and verse 37 it would be in a footnote usually uh, it says Philip said to him if you believe with all your heart you can be baptized And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. Now, I think that's a really helpful, like, oh, that's how their conversation went. Apparently, that wasn't in the original version, but somebody added it in. It makes sense. We might understand that type of conversation, and we like to know more details, right? So maybe that's the conversation they had. We don't know that for sure, but whatever it was, Philip was willing to baptize this foreigner who was also an outcast. Because the Spirit had already brought him that far. And so Philip said, yeah, this guy belongs. He's part of the church. And so we would think this is the first moment that a foreigner is baptized into this brand new church. The Samaritans were not exactly neighbors that the uh, Jews would want to call neighbors, right? But they weren't foreigners, this Ethiopian is the first foreigner brought into the church. It's a really exciting moment in the life of the church. And so what happens next? The spirit picks Philip up and moves him somewhere else. <laughs> There's not even time for him to celebrate this. He gets it. Tele- you didn't know there was teleportation in the Bible, did you? It's all in there. I'm telling you. And so he gets teleported somewhere else and starts preaching the good news there. And the Ethiopian official... I would like to know what happened next, but what it tells us is he never saw Philip again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Now, most of the time when someone leaves you that you've sort of depended on to learn something new, you might not rejoice because it's sad, but the Ethiopian official was ready. He had learned what he needed to learn. He was confirmed in his faith by being baptized and off he went. And we know that Coptic Christians have been in North Africa for a long, long, long time. So maybe he started a church there or joined the church there. But either way, this foreigner, this outcast suddenly became part of this brand new church where the spirit was moving. And then Philip was on his way to somewhere else where the spirit took him. So, we can see how exciting that would be, right? We don't often expect the Holy Spirit to pick us up and take us anywhere today. We don't often expect the Holy Spirit to show up and, like, blow the doors of the church open. We would rather that not happen, I think. And yet, if we are going to follow along with God's Spirit, just like Philip and Peter and Paul and all of these early disciples and apostles did— We've got to remember some of these lessons that they learned. That we have to be ready. Philip was ready to go wherever the spirit took him. He didn't say, no, 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 no. I, oh, sorry. I don't have time for that today. He didn't say, well, this was my to-do list, and I will pencil this in on the road to Gaza. That will have to wait. He was ready to go. When God's Spirit tells us to go, we have to be ready to go. That's not always easy, and we don't always like it. But it's part of being part of God's church. And we also realize from this story that when the Spirit is moving, God will use people in sometimes surprising ways and sometimes exactly as we expect. God will show up, and God can use anyone. Right, We all have been that person who um, really, in a moment of need, a stranger or a friend showed up and we felt like that was God's spirit showing up in the moment that we needed it. Now, sometimes in the church, we're tempted to think that that's the pastor's job, right? The pastor's job is to show up when people are in need, but that's not it. If the Spirit's moving, we are all that person that can help in someone's time of need. In fact, I know that here at this church this morning, before Pastor Andy got here, there was someone who came in in need. And someone who wasn't the pastor helped them. Because God's Spirit uses all of us. Not just that pastor, but all of us. And we never know how God will use us, or use the people that we meet when someone walks in the door. We have to be ready. We have to be open to how God can use us and the people around us. And we also learn from this story that when the Spirit is moving, the boundaries that we would say are in the way are not obstacles to the Spirit. That Ethiopian official, he didn't belong. He was from far away. He was an outcast because he was a eunuch. And yet, the Spirit moved Philip to go get him and to welcome him into the church, just like we did this morning through baptism. He belonged. Even though there were those who would say he was an outsider, in the church we're good at that, right? Like We're good at saying, well, these people are in and these people are out. Sometimes that makes us feel better if we can draw the lines, if we can build some boundaries. But the Holy Spirit can break those boundaries down. And sometimes that's uncomfortable, but sometimes that's also just awesome. In fact, in this story, the laws of physics are not even boundaries to the Holy Spirit. Because Philip gets picked up and moved somewhere else, where we see... Lines being drawn and and obstacles in our way, the Holy Spirit doesn't see those. That's exciting, but it's also scary because it also means we are not in control. Now, I know that none of you here are control freaks. You do not want to just be in charge of everything in your life, it's only me. But when the Holy Spirit is moving, we are not always in control. And again, sometimes that's scary and sometimes that's good. As a United Methodist pastor, I kind of understand how Philip might have felt when the Spirit picked him up and moved him somewhere else that he didn't expect to go. Every year, I hope when appointment season rolls around that the bishop forgets that I'm even there. And since I'm in campus ministry and not in a local church, that's even more likely. And I can just stay where I want to stay. But sometimes the Holy Spirit is in control, and we are not, and that's okay. Philip, when he was taken to Azotus, he traveled through that area preaching the good news in all the cities until he reached Caesarea, and that's actually where he stayed. Philip went. He was ready, he was open, he was willing to let the Spirit do what the Spirit could do. Probably, if he had made an itinerary for himself, it wouldn't have included any of these places. But he was not in control. And when the Spirit moves, amazing things can happen. Outsiders are welcomed in. Broken people can be people who also share good news and you never know just what awesome thing God will do next. These are uncertain times in the church and I know that you all know that. As a campus minister, I don't know where the funding for the Wesley Foundation will come from for our future but I know that the Holy Spirit is at work. I know that the Holy Spirit is using the Wesley Foundation at Eastern Illinois University to be a place where students feel welcomed and loved, where they learn about God, where they learn to follow Jesus. And God will use that place and God will use me no matter how much I want to be in control and how much I'm not because the Spirit is there. You all are a people who are following in the Holy Spirit as well. You are out there and doing things in your community. You are welcoming people in here to your church. You are challenged, but you are loved by God. It's a rough ride sometimes, but it's our job to buckle up and be ready to go where the Spirit leads. Thanks be to God for that challenge.